Thank you for joining us here at BLC. Our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. All right, let's let's try this again. Y'all doing all right? Good. Well, um, let's kind of dig right in because I've got this is a one-time sermon, and so I've got to really stay dialed in. So y'all going to help me with this, right? Yeah. Um, this subject or this title, I should say, counterculture. Um, here's the thing, we were talking about our, uh, this sermon uh, with my staff, and Paula uh, kind of brought this up to me, but when you look at um, the direction of society today, you know, uh, how many of you think that in, in some degree it, it would, it's going a different direction than what God designed for his people, yeah? And the more I thought about it, in, in light of what God expects from us, his church, the thing is, when, when you understand that right in the middle of a world that, that is growing darker, by design, we're created to be brighter. And so as we unpack this tonight, I, we, we have to be very careful to make sure that we don't drift over into pharisaical 21st century Christianity and be critical and judgmental of people because we've all met the Christian that's that, that, that like that, right? So we don't want to be that. So as we get into this, remember our foundation is we're going to love people. That's what God has called us to do. That doesn't mean that we're, we, we don't teach and in, encourage and even correct when, when the, the setting is correct for that. But uh, overall, I think that we have to be aware of our role in this and not be looking at other people so much and blaming them. Yeah. All right. Let's pray and get into it. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. So tonight, Holy Spirit, this talk help all of us to uh, to be people that not just hear a sermon, but we put it into practice. Give us the courage to step out and be doers of these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Now, now this term counterculture, Paula actually brought this title to me because I was all over the place trying to find a title for this talk. And, and as we looked at it, the, um, I kind of, she brought me a, a, a description of it and I kind of condensed it down to a simpler statement and it's this. Counterculture is a lifestyle that rejects the dominant behavior of a society. Now, if you look at the culture and society of America today, depending on, depending on your view, and I know you all know better than this, but, but there may be some people listening or watching, and if you're still watching mainstream media, then your perspective is twisted because they have an agenda. They're not giving you truth. And so your perspective of that small window of people that you see, for example, man, I, I read an article last week now, praise God the bill didn't pass, but there were 49 congressmen that voted to approve abortion after birth. You tell me that's not from the pit of hell. 49 of them voted for that junk. Yeah. See, but that's a small group of people in our society. But if you watch the mainstream media, you think it's half of our nation. It's not half our nation. Our nation is still founded under godly principles. The thing that we have to be aware of, though, knowing that, is we still have to collectively, as a body of believers, 
produce fruit as the light of the world, not be conformed to religion and denominational philosophies. And so the more I begin to think about this, this counterculture perspective, I, I was trying to look at it from the church's view. And the more I thought about it, I, I began to think that just maybe it's time for the church to embrace a counterculture approach to the things going on around us. Yeah? All right, so the thing is, to, you know, what I'm saying is, remember the definition of counterculture, to embrace a lifestyle that rejects the dominant behavior of society. One of the struggles that the church has, unfortunately, is we have been guilty of conforming too much to the world. Now, these are, this is one of those statements that, as I say it, we have to be careful because we are called to go into the world, Yes. We are called to reach people that are, that are away from Jesus and give them an opportunity to develop a relationship with Christ, not a religion. But in order for us to do that, we have to be different. You can't, and, and the thing is, if you were, if you were to, t let, me help, let me say this the right way. You take most Christians and you can stand them up beside people in the world and you can't tell any difference. I had a... Uh, I think I may have told you a little bit about this on Sunday. I had a gentleman doing some work for me last week, and you know, he, the guy that he showed up, and he took his shirt off, and he got tattoos all, and, and nothing wrong with tattoos, you know. I got some myself, so I'm not saying that. But then all of a sudden, he, get, he had this wonderful, colorful language, you know. And the guy, that, the, 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 the owner of the company, he said, man, I, I'm going to apologize before we get started because... I said, he's, he's a good guy. He's just rough. And I told the guy, I said, man, I got people in my church just like that. <laughs> so that being said, as I get into this, because if we're, if we're going to take this counterculture approach and we're going to be different, I'm not talking religious different. You know, obviously, we cannot separate ourselves from the world, but according to the Apostle Paul, quoting the prophet Isaiah, he says, we are to come out from the world, from them, and be separate. Yeah? See, the world, guys, the world should see a difference in us. Not a religious difference, none of that pharisaical garbage, I, I, I despise that. But they should be able to see you in the middle of a storm still steady. They should be able to see the blessing of the Lord on your life, the joy of the Lord in your life, the peace of God that passes understanding. They should be able to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus said you will know a tree by its fruit. And so let's dig into this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 14. This is one of those passages that's not talked about a lot. <laughs> but we're going to get into it a little bit, okay? He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What's that mean? Listen, no, don't be running. Now, he... Once again, we are called to go into the world and be a light. So you, you are to be around unbelievers. You should have unbelievers that you are friends with. You got me? But you can't run with them. Paul is saying, do not be unequally yoked. Don't, you know what? A yoke, in Bible days, a yoke was this thing that they would put around an ox's neck and he would be, he would be hitched to another one. Yoked. 
a, a word that you could relate to, married. If you're a Christian, don't come to me and ask me if it's okay for you to marry your, your heathen friend. It's not okay. Yeah, but I'm going to get him saved. Well, what's the hold up? Well, it's, it's the work in progress. Well, until it's done, no. According to Paul, don't be yoked with, with unbelievers. I knew this would go over being. For what fellowship has righteous... Now, I'm reading the Bible, right? This is not Gary's sermon. I'm quoting scripture. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Well, Belial is just another name for Satan. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you, are you ready for this? You are the temple of God. Come on, man. How many times you get up in the morning and you leave your house and you're aware that you're the temple of the living God? See, that right there in and of itself makes me take a step back and like, okay, Lord, you know, I know this passage is in the Bible, but I can't tell you the last time I actually thought about it until I started putting this talk together. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? That means when you show up, he's with you. Now, most of us, a lot of times we don't think that way, Sherry, because we, we want to tell Jesus to stay in the car because we, you know, there's a little bit of me getting ready to come out. Yeah. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, when you follow that passage along, and then that's where, where, where Paul quotes Isaiah. After that passage, he goes right into quoting Isaiah, and he says, come out from among them and be separate. Now, once again, remember, we are called to go into the world, but our counterculture life that we want to create is to be one of total reliance on God. So when we go into situations, we have enough faith that God will strengthen us, empower us, give us the wisdom, give us the peace, the understanding to be children of God in any given situation. And we don't compromise. Now, we have all compromised. I understand that. But what he's asking of us today, I believe God has put this talk on my heart so that we understand that there, we're living in a time in history. You know that the, the Lord makes it very clear that in the last days, the world will grow darker. Think about this. Jesus actually was telling his disciples because they were asking about this stuff. When's the end going to happen? What's one of the things? He said, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And the Bible says they were eating and drinking and marrying and doing just living life. The one thing that that passage doesn't mention about as it was in the days of Noah, you know what the key component of the days of Noah were? It was so bad God was getting ready to erase humanity. Are you for real? He's getting ready to wipe creation off the planet. Now, we're not there yet because the church is still alive and we are growing and we are strong. You know, I know it may not look like that all the time because there's this small group of people that have a lot of money and they have a big mouth. But that's changing. That's changing very quickly. They're, they're, in for a, they're in for a wake up call in a couple months. Anyway, different message. 
The thing you have to understand about where we are with embracing this kind of mindset, this counterculture approach to life is this. God absolutely desires. You've got, you've got to get this one tonight. He absolutely desires an exclusive relationship with each of us. He loves us so much that he sacrificed his firstborn child to have us. And what's crazy is people, they, they just reject that. You know, the reason they do is because they haven't ran into real light. They've ran into, well, you need to part, be part of our group because our group's right. The group down the street, they're not doing everything right. You don't want to. And see, that kind of stuff, it just turns people off. If you just tell people the gospel, forget about the name on the building, I think we'd be a lot more effective. Yeah? See, I think maybe the question each of us should be asking is this. Are we still being more conformed? Now, listen to this. Are we still being more conformed to the world instead of being transformed into the image of our Savior? Because here's the thing. If you look at that passage in Romans, well, and I, I know y'all probably, I, I quote this all the time, but let's go to it in Romans chapter 12. Paul says in verse 1, I beseech you, this word beseech, he says, I'm begging you, man. By the mercy of God that you present your body. Who's got to do the presenting? So quit asking God to make it happen. When you present your body, because what? We are the temple, right? When you present your body a living sacrifice, holy Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Watch this. And do not be conformed to the world. It is so easy to be conformed to the world. All you got to do is sit in your recliner with your remote control and just soak your soul with the things of the world. And conformity takes place. There's no work of any kind, no effort. It's so easy. It's like falling into a mud puddle. I can fall into a mud puddle. I conform to them. I got mud. I'm conforming. But to be transformed takes intentionality on our part. See, the reason that so many Christians, oh, let me, I don't know if I want to say that, Lord. You know when the Lord drops something in your heart and you know it's going to be one of those. He said, he said, now listen, God loves you, but he, this is one of these pastoral, come here and let me give you a hug and then straighten you up a little bit talks, Okay. He said, uh, he said, I would rather you be hot or cold because he cannot stand the lukewarm, just kind of hang around, try to conform. No, no. Be hot for God. Huh? Now, it's not some religious, legalistic thing. It is a transformation thing. He said, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing your mind so that you can prove. Who's going to do the proving? Who is? Yeah, so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The way you're going to prove out the will of God in your life is by positioning yourself in a relationship with the Word of God so that transformation takes place. So that, you know, a week from now, six months from now, you're walking, talking, you're a different person. And it's not some legalistic thing. You were changed from the inside out. Is that crazy? It's a spiritual principle and it works every time. If you would just sit at the feet of Jesus a little bit. Hmm? Sometimes you got to turn your TV off. Sometimes you got to stop doing your hobbies. And you got to sit down and let the Holy Spirit go to work on you. And he'll start working. 
See, here's the thing, guys. The success or the failure of what God has for any of us is determined in our soul. See, the soul of a man, you have to understand this. As a man thinks, so is he. That's what Romans chapter 12, these two passages is all about. That's what the Joshua 1.8 principle, those two passages go hand in hand. Joshua 1.8, meditate in my word when you get time. Doesn't say that, does it, Jack? What's it say? Meditate when? Day and night. You know, you know what the next thing it says to do is this. Observe to do all that's written in it. Then you will make your way. See, God has already done his part, you all. He has already established a covenant. He has already placed us in authority on the planet and given us his spirit to be the body of Christ. We will be successful when, when we allow the transformation to take place in our life, in our soul, and we do things the way he said do them. The reason transformation is such an absolute is because human nature, man, you got to get this, human nature, it will not in any way just lay down and be acceptable to the things of God. You ever watch little kids? I mean, we, we, we take the girls out, and, uh, and, and of course, we, we buy stuff for them like crazy. But we'll be out, and I'll, I'll buy them candy. And then I'm like, can I have one of those? Mine. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, how did mine become mine? Huh? Did you buy it? I don't say those things, you know, because they're children. But how many of us are that way with that carnal human nature? It, in and of itself, man, it is selfish. It does not, it, and it will fight the things of God. Something I've discovered over the years with my own life and, 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 and as I watch other disciples is the struggle of connecting with the Lord, really of recognizing his leading. And see, one of the keys in transformation is this, the more time you spend, now, Every time I make these statements, I want to reiterate this reality. Never let it be some legalistic thing, you guys. It's a heart thing. And when you sit down and just take some time, I promise you, your father is, is proud of you when you take time and you make a sacrifice and you put stuff, you tell your flesh, no. Hmm? We're not doing that tonight. I don't care. Like Tracy and I, we, we watch Hallmark. It's good, wholesome for the most part. They're trying, trying to twist it a little bit. But even then, are you willing to, when, when, when the Lord puts it on your heart, turn that off and come in here for a minute? Or sometimes you don't have to go in there, just in your recliner, just get, the, get your Bible out. Or whatever book you're reading, just read it. Yeah. But that flesh, man, it'll fight you. How many of you have watched a movie more than once? How about more than five times? Tracy, how many times have I watched Shooter? Now, I know y'all probably don't know what the movie Shooter is. It's this, it's this good, wholesome movie with Mark Wahlberg in it. But, I mean, the, the man by himself killed about 25. I mean, he's, he's bad. I mean, I can tell you, I, we'll be watching it, and Tracy's like, how many times you watch this? And then I'll quote the scene. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I could play the part in the movie. That's how bad it is. Why do we do that? Because our human nature wants 
what it wants. Until, and, and until you train it differently, it will fight you. I'm going to show you an example of this in just a minute. See, how many of us have found ourselves questioning the leading of God? Because we're not familiar. We, we wonder if God is that you speaking to me. You all remember last Wednesday night when John was talking about how the Lord was dealing with him about coming to Kentucky and, and then, you know, and Amanda didn't want to come. And then they got to praying and the Lord dealt with her and dealt with him. And next thing you know, they're here. And then the, the things start to begin, you know, to unfold about ministry. And he told the story about how it finally came to be. The other side of the story is this. Probably a few years before it all went down, I got invited to a pastor's roundtable up in Ohio. And there's, there's like 12 or 15 pastors at this meeting. And we're all sitting around, and there's a pastor there that had a church about the size of ours. Now his church has, poof. And so he's sharing a little bit of his testimony, and he said, this is what happened. He said, uh, we were just, we, we were doing good. We were cruising along, but we, you know, we, we knew we wanted to go to the next level, but th th we didn't, you know, we didn't know how all the things were going to play out. And he said, but I had a, a friend of mine that I'd known years ago, and he was an executive at this company, and he was making great money. And when he started telling the story, the, n n no words, the Lord said, pay attention. This is your, this is, this is John. I'm like, okay. And I didn't tell anybody this. I think I told you, didn't I, honey? So I'm listening to this guy tell the story. This dude made great money. He's an executive at this company. He said, the Lord told him, he said, go ask him to, to, to come on board with you and leave his company. I'm like, okay. So. John's making great money. He's an executive at his company. Of course, you all heard the story last week about how things went down with him. But the, the side, from my perspective, being able to hear God, I'm like, Lord, he, he is never going to leave. I can't pay him nothing like that. Lord said, I said, do it. Don't worry about the pay. See, the Lord's working on him same time he's working on me. Here's the other thing. While he's working on me and he's working on John, he's got to work on her. <laughs> but he's doing all of that. See, the Lord has already, the Lord started coordinating this thing before they even came to Kentucky. Because that was the thing. And he's the, now he's here. It, it happened just like the Lord told me. I'm like, now I, I, and I had no thus saith the Lord, no big vision. Just a thought dropped in the back of my mind. Pay attention. This is your John. Or this is John to you. Or John is this guy to you. I'm like, yes, sir. Of course, I sat on it for a long time and him hauled around and you know but anyway here we are today see sometimes what God is leading you in is going to be that still small voice that John talked about last week see the problem is the number one reason that, that we struggle with this is simply because our soul never gets the time it needs for transformation because the closer you get to the Lord, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He didn't say my sheep can hear my voice. He said they know it. See, I, I, even though it was in the back of my mind, just this kind of thought, I knew it was the Lord dealing with me. Because my relationship is tight with the Lord. Now, am I growing closer? Absolutely. But I, you know, I've learned over the years. And here's how I'll process it. Because my flesh wants... Is, is about me. 
See, I, our church couldn't afford John. We just went through one of the biggest storms in our life as a church. We had zero money. And now I've got to talk to this guy about leaving his fat salary to come to a Weight Watcher salary. <laughs> huh? Now, God will bless us. God will take care of us. All of our needs are met. I, I tell young people all the time, if you, go, if you think you're going to make a lot of money in the ministry, it's going to be a minute. That's why my wife still works a regular job in the world. Because we like to enjoy some things in life. And the minute, now, will, will we get to a place someday? Yeah. But am I worried about that? Heck no. I'm blessed. Amen. Yeah. But getting to that place... Because your flesh wants what it wants. The devil's never going to tell you to do anything to advance the kingdom of heaven. All he does is fear, torment, worry, anxiety. Oh, you'll never, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to do anything. All on and on and on. Mm -mm. See, the thing that, that we have to understand when transformation begins to take place and we begin to step out from the conformity of the world, that's when... We start taking on that new role. And see, here's the thing. What I've discovered, a lot of people, Danny, you know what? A lot of people, they're just busy and they won't do it. And here's the thing. Life goes on with those people. Wonder, a lot of them, I mean, our church on a Sunday is full in here, and a lot of those folks, they're, they're not going to go to the next level. They're not going to pursue more of God. Life's going to go on. And for, more, for the most part, they're going to be okay with life and live a good life. But the thing is, now remember, Paul says there's no condemnation for the people in Christ. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But you have to understand this. When, when, when the, the Lord highlights stuff for us, he's not trying to be critical and make us feel guilty. See, condemnation is never from God. You understand that? Condemnation is straight out of the kingdom of darkness and he will manipulate your thoughts. So just maybe what if God has more for us than just okay? See, I think maybe it's time for a little counterculturalism in our life. To, to stop trying to worry about looking like the world all the time. Stop trying to be accepted with a certain group at work because, well, they, you know, if I, if I run with them, I might get a promotion. Yeah, you might get fired. You don't know. God will, have you read the Bible? God will do stuff for people. Huh? I mean, you look at the story with John and Amanda. God told me about that. I'm like, oh, well, you're definitely going to have to work that out. I didn't try to make anything happen with that. But, you know, he went to work on this. So now the next chapter in that is pretty exciting because God has put a team together here that's going to do something great. Yeah. And you get to be part of that. And when it, when it doesn't go so great, well, you can blame my new executive pastor. <laughs> right? Yeah. You remember, you know, what Jesus told his disciples, he said, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so as we embrace this role of being countercultural, not trying to fit in all the time, having confidence. Now, now, once again, having confidence in who you are as a believer, but not having this arrogant kind of haughty, pharisaical approach to people. No, these guys, Jesus, Paul, they all went right into ditches and met people where they were. 
They didn't live there. They didn't hang with them. They didn't party with them. They didn't run with them. They'd go in and they'd minister and share the gospel. And then they'd pull back out and, and go to their own company. Go read that in the book of Acts. The Bible says that when Peter was let out of jail, he went back to his own company. And the Bible says when they got together and prayed, they prayed in the place where they prayed, the, the, the building shook. Amen. <laughs> right? See, I, I, I mean, do y'all ever think about experiencing stuff like that? Building, shaking, prayer? I know we think that'd be nice. Would it? I don't know if it would. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, mean, I think it'd be cool. It, it's cool to read about it. But if we're up in here praying and worshiping and all of a sudden, you're like, what? Earthquake. Run. <laughs> right? See, here's the thing. Because we are of his world. This is the thing. If you're born again in this place tonight, if you're watching or listening, if you're born again, you belong to a different kingdom. And just maybe doing things his way is the game changer. Not yielding to religion and legalism, but simply living a different way of life. Not because you have to. This is not a have to book. It gets to a place where it becomes a lifestyle for you. But if your mindset is always have to, then it's still religion and legalism to you. You get to. Jesus died so that you could have this kind of life. But now it takes work on our part. It, transformation, it takes diligence and discipline on our part to yield to these things. I watch Cody's life and I watch the discipline and the effort. I mean, Cody, how old are you now, Cody? Dang, my boy's old. <laughs> yeah. He's 27, but Cody's been with me. I, I've got pictures of Cody when he was 12, helping clean up in construction in this building. I've watched God develop him over the years, and now he's starting his own podcast. He's ministering to people. He's going to be preaching again. What is it, on the 3rd of August? 10th, August 10th, so put that on your calendar. But to watch how God is developing this young man, the calling has been there, but Cody could have continued to go the way of the world. He could have said, no, I'm not doing that stuff. Anybody can. Anybody that we read about, no, God didn't make any of these men and women do stuff. They yielded to it. There was a transformation that takes place. And so for us tonight, if we're going to come out from the world and be separate for one reason, so that we can go in the world and stand out, but stand out for the right way, for the right motives, for the love of God, for the advancement of the kingdom of heaven, then it's going to take those times in private. The psalmist sums it up perfectly in Psalm 37. It says there's in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Well, that's really pretty simple right there, isn't it? Trust God and do good, right? Yeah. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. See, this is the thing. What this statement means, trust God, do good, dwell in the land. That means you, you live your life, but you feed on his faithfulness. You delight yourself in the Lord. Watch this. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this is really pretty cool. When you start spending time delighting in the Lord, your soul begins to change and you think differently. And the, and the desires of your heart, remember he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. A lot of people misinterpret that as if, if I delight myself in the Lord, God's going to give me what I desire. You know, like I want new stuff, I want new this, I want a promotion. Not that God won't bless you with those things, 
But what, that's right, Jack. What this is talking about is he's going to give you the desire. He's going to change your heart. There's going to be, you're going to start taking on his image and his likeness and his mannerisms and his character and things you used to want and care about, they, 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 they just faded away. Now there's new things. Now you're thinking more about the kingdom. And all of a sudden you're spending time with the Lord and then, then something pops up in your soul. You're like, Ask somebody to leave his executive job and come to the church? What? But that's that desire working inside me. And God begins to speak to that. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Enjoy spending time with God. It may not be enjoyable at first. Yeah? How many of you ever sat down with the Bible and you're like, I don't even know what that just, I just read five chapters. I don't know what I, what I read there. Yeah, yeah. See, the Bible is a spiritual book, and it will not always make sense to you. But the revelation that will come off of those pages, line upon line, precept upon precept, it's a lifestyle, and it's a journey, you all. And so you have to be willing to stay the clay on the potter's wheel for a while. That's part of that delight in the Lord. Enjoy your journey. God's got your back. That's why he, that's why he started out with you got to trust God first. Then, you can be, then you'll be able to delight in the Lord because you got that trust. You know he's got you. you, could, you some of the stuff, you can, you, you can table that. Then he, then he finishes up with this. I know this is a big word in the church today. Commit. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he'll bring it to pass. He'll bring what to pass? The desires of your heart to pass. Those ideas, those transformed, God-inspired ideas and, and ways of living and doing and being he will bring those to, to pass in your life you see delighting in the lord is simply us dialing in our focus i've told people this for years if you want to live a more faith driven life you've got to be focused sometimes it's hard to stay focused huh i know different different people are at different places but for me when it comes to putting a sermon together when it comes to studying I can't have a bunch of stuff going on, man. I need quiet. A lot of times I can't even have, I need instrumental music because words distract. You know, you'll be studying and then all of a sudden you've got this worship song that you like and next thing you know you're singing and you were, you were here and now you're here just like that. Yeah. See, sometimes this, this lifestyle, it, it will require some focus on our life. Sometimes taking things like prayer, worship, time in the word, things like fasting to discipline your human nature to let your body know who's in charge. There's an Old Testament phrase that's used throughout the, the, the description is it says this, seek the Lord with all your heart. Now once again, not some legalistic thing. Seek the Lord. You, it's, it's a desire. You want to. You see, when we put these principles into practice, a spiritual reality begins to occur in our life, and the desires God has placed in our heart, they begin to come to light in our soul. That's what spiritual leading really looks like. God is spirit, right? And the success or the failure of what God has for any of us, it's determined in our soul. You've got to yield to that. We have to acknowledge the fact that God is spirit and he communicates spiritually. Can God use words? Sure, he can. Does he? Most of the time, no. 
in my entire journey as a Christian, as a pastor, I've heard, and I don't even, I, I will say the authoritative voice of God, but I don't know that I've ever heard audible. But it was the one time that I was fighting with God about coming here. Because I wasn't doing it. You know, I'm pastoring up in northern Kentucky and I'm, I'm struggling and working a full-time job and pastoring. And the Lord has, has this plan for me to come here. And I'm like, I'm not going there. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. How many of you ever told God, I'm not doing it? Yeah, I know. I kept telling, I'm not doing it. And I'm out working one day. I was working with Jack. And I'm sure I've told you this a hundred times, but that's okay. It'll help you. And, I'm, and they had left, and I'm by myself on the job site, and I'm cutting wood. We're building a house, and the Lord, you know, and, and I, I dropped the saw. Now, once again, it was that authoritative. I'm not saying I heard an audible voice, but it was just as powerful. He said, now, now Rama is the organization that I'm licensed with. And I heard the voice of the Lord. He said, I said, call Rama now. I mean, I, I, Cody, I dropped the saw and looked around. I'm like, the hair was standing up on the back of my neck. I was tore up. Well, that, I, I went right then, and I called. <laughs> I called my state director. I said, I need to talk to you. This is what's going on. The Lord just dealt with me. Sure enough, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, wow. Okay, God, I get it. But that was that incident. How many have we missed it on? Huh? See, God leading us, you know, communicating spiritually with us through our soul. Many times it's going to sound like this. It's just going to be a simple prompting an inspired thought or an idea, a knowing, if you will. Many times you read the Apostle Paul, he uses phrases like this. It seemed good that we should go over there. Now, it was the, it was the word of the Lord leading them to the next city, but he didn't say, thus says the Lord, go to the next city. He said it seemed good that we should go over there. See, I think, some, I think sometimes we try to over-spiritualize stuff, especially in the charismatic world that we've kind of <clears throat> allowed to us to, to, or influenced us with. Anything about the leading of the Lord, though, you have to understand this. It will always, always, always be confirmed with the word. You can always go to the scriptures and, and have something that's going to give you. God will always give you something of stability from the book. See, the reason a healthy relationship with God's word is of such absolute necessity is because when, when all the chaos is running around through our mind, Many times over my journey of faith, what has happened, God's voice, his leading just rises right off the page. He'll give you a word from the scriptures. See, we read stories like with Moses, and Moses is talking to a bush that's burning, and we want that. Lord, if you gave me a bush that's burning, well, according to Jesus, when you look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus, they were, they were both dead on the other side, and the rich man is in hell. You don't just, you don't, you don't want to be there. Just, but he's in hell and he sees Abraham on the other side in the promised land. And he says, can you send somebody back to warn my family? And what did the Lord say? He said, if you do not believe my law and my prophets, there's no way you believe. Even if I sent somebody back from the dead, you wouldn't believe it. Jesus stood right in front of the most religious people of the day, and they didn't believe him. 
So don't think some supernatural event is going to cause you to believe. You have to have this faith inside you. See, Moses, was already, he was already searching. God was already dealing with him. And so when he went to the other side of the mountain, he was already searching for God. And God began to move. And he said, yeah, Lord, okay. Who am I supposed to say is telling me to do all these things? Who's sending me? What did God say? I am. <laughs> Sometimes God, you know, two words. Lord, what do I tell him? Who's sending me? I am. Can you get a little more clarity on that? <laughs> I, well, we, let's, let's do it in the Charlton Heston voice. I am. I mean, should, it was a perfect time for effects, Dwayne. <laughs> See, <laughs> here's the thing, you all. So often we read those stories and we want that. Okay. That came because of what Moses was getting ready to step into. You still want that? See, sometimes we say, yeah, if you, if you would speak to me like that, I'd be willing to do what Moses did. Nah. Are y'all getting this tonight? There is going to be this transformation. And here's the thing. I believe this is a timely talk because God is positioning us in a place in this time in history so that we can go into dark places and be light. Because the thing about the American culture, guys, we're not in some third world demonic influence country. Not that we don't have that going on. Most of the people that I've encountered over my journey of faith, they, in, in, our, in our society, they've heard about Jesus. They have an idea of who Jesus is. They just don't believe any of it. Or it's the other side of the coin. They came to some church one time and tried it, and they got burned by something in the church, and they can't stand church anymore. And those are the people that we've got to get. And we, we rub shoulders with them every day in the workplace, when we shop, at the ball field, etc. And so our role is, is as we yield to this and the transformation begins to take place and the, and the faith begins to rise in you, you'll have the courage set beside somebody in the bleachers and all of a sudden you, you, you hear a story from them and you're like, is that you, Lord? He's like, let me slap you. No, it's the devil wanting you to minister to this person that's broken beside you. And so you kindly say, well, I'm a, I don't know if you know, this is just something that'll help some of you. If you're not comfortable, this is an intro. I don't know if you know anything about, the, about Jesus, but I'm a believer. Can I pray with you? 90% of the people will say, would you? And all of a sudden, you have this opportunity to sow this seed. See, ultimately, guys, the choice all comes down to us, the individual. Free will it is still the most powerful force on the planet. Watch this, Deuteronomy. I'll, I'll get you out of here with this one. Tracy said, don't you go long tonight. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 30, I call heaven and earth as a witness. Now, who's talking here? God is. And he is telling the children of Israel, I'm calling heaven and earth as a witness against you. What? It's like we're almost on trial. <laughs> in, some, in, some, in, in, in one instance, we are. He says, I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I have set before you. <clears throat> of course, this, this, this passage might go with my Sunday sermon too. I set before you blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. He tells you which one to choose, you know, in case you were confused. Choose life. That both you and your descendants will live. The choice is yours, you all. And what God is wanting in this time that we're living in, in this counterculture world that is that we can watch in, in, in today's society with, with the, the technology that we have, we can watch them drift away. 
See, that's the, that's the power of the enemy. He is so subtle in his deception. He's not going to come in like Hollywood shows him with this big demon thing. He can't do that. He doesn't have that kind of power. But man, he is the master manipulator. He is so subtle. He is the smoothest, slick-haired, shiny-shoed, talking preacher you ever met. And he'll hustle you in a second and make you enjoy it as he slips you right out of your journey of God. Huh? And you look up one day like, how did I get here? Because that voice that you were familiar with, you're allowed to drift a little at a time, a little at a time. See, what God is asking of us tonight is this. Let's refocus a little bit. Hmm? Next, well, no, not next week. Next week is prayer. I knew when I wrote this talk, there's no way I'd be able to get it done I t in one session. But I, I, I need you to go. Can I give you an assignment? And then we'll, we'll pick back up on this uh, my next time. But in Romans chapter 7, I'm, I know I'm going long, but I want you to go read. I want you to start. In, you, know, you can read the whole chapter if you want to. Because <clears throat> Romans chapter 7 sets up Romans chapter 8. Everybody knows Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Because the life, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Everybody knows that with no condemnation. But you need to go read what Paul's battle was before he made that statement in Romans chapter 7. So you can start in verse 18 and read that and go into chapter 8, the first couple of verses. But Paul talks about this battle, man, that he is raging in his mind. Every one of us have it. We all fight that. The enemy will be relentless at trying to manipulate you and make you think you're something or not. You'll never do this. You can't have that, etc. He's a liar. God has established a life for you. And should you choose to accept it, it still takes transformation one decision at a time, one day at a time, line upon line, precept upon precept, transformation begins to take place, and you become the person God called you to be. Amen? So do your homework, and we'll, we'll dig back into this in a couple weeks. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for faithful people that take time out of their busy schedules to come set under the word for a season. So Holy Spirit, enrich our talk tonight with every one of us, those listening and watching Give us the boldness and courage that we don't just hear this stuff, but we actually take steps of faith to do it. For one reason, Lord, to advance your kingdom. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. God bless you guys. We love you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.